0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you joining us. I trust as the weather looks like it's getting better and spring is in the air, fortunately, coming soon maybe, um, that we uh, can just rejoice in that, and look forward to that. Here we are, here it is. We're in March and um, we are marching into the final kind of uh, sermons in Pioneers, and I trust that Pioneers has been an encouragement to you. Um, We're gonna continue in Acts after um, our Easter series, but um, we're gonna be following the missionary journeys of Paul and get ready for that, it's gonna be a great ride. but. I I trust that it's been an encouragement to you not only to go through all the faith that we're learning from in the book of Acts, but learning from these biographies. Part of the goal of this series is to kind of, I know not everybody's reading biographies, especially young people who I feel especially burdened for, and um, I thought, man, let's get some of these testimonies of great faith out, because they're such inspiration um, to us who follow in the faith. And so uh, I pray that the Pioneer Series has been a real encouragement to you, um, and I pray it is again today, because I'm pretty excited about this week's pioneer that we can gain some faith from. I'm going to call this guy um, one of my heroes of the faith as a preacher, and uh, he is definitely a whatever, whenever, however type of pioneer. Let me tell you about him. Um, With his boundless physical energy, natural shrewdness, self-confidence, and eternal optimism, today's pioneer could have become a gilded age industrial giant like none other than John D. Rockefeller or Jay Good. But instead, he became one of the great evangelists of the 19th century. Reading from Christianity Today, just a, a brief article. He was born in Northfield, Massachusetts to a Unitarian bricklayer's family. His father died when he was just four. He left nine children to his mother. Betsy, Well, his mother never encouraged him really to read the Bible, and he only acquired the equivalent of a fifth-grader's education. He struck out on his own at the age of 17 and sold shoes in his uncle's Boston store. He, He also attended YMCA and Sunday school classes where he became a Christian at the age of 18 years old. Well, shortly after that, he moved to Chicago where he sold shoes in his shop and worked towards his goal of amassing a fortune of $100,000, which you can make today's equivalent a million dollars. Who is our pioneer today? Um, None other than D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, the young man who went to Chicago with a dream, had a new faith, and now a new purpose for for now, D.L. Moody wanted to reach people for Jesus Christ more than amassing wealth for self. He wanted to amass wealth to help others. And boy, did he ever. He went across the city evangelizing and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, even became the president of the Chicago YMCA, became a very influential young man. Do you know an A-type Do you know like a driven, goal-setting, achiever type person? That was D.L. Moody in every way. And what really blossomed, what really took off is something called Mission Sunday School Okay, that was done on the sidewalks. Oh, they'd pull up pianos along the streets and D.L. would speak. They'd have little kids games and things like that, block parties, if you will. And D.L. Moody is so to be said, if you can really make a man believe you love him, you have won them. And his ministry blossomed into a church. All these little little meetings on the streets—they blossomed into this church. They continue to grow and grow and grow. And DL Money Moody—he he got money, okay? From where? From other entrepreneurs and businessmen that he would use to blossom his ministries. So so his entrepreneur mindset was now focused on getting money to help these ministries grow. And he just started up ministries throughout the city of Chicago. And he enlisted millionaires like Cyrus McCormick and John Wanamaker to be some of his bigger givers to just kind of keep growing this ministry. And it grew and grew and grew. And it was amazing. Until one fateful night, it was a Sunday evening. Moody was known for preaching five to six sermons a Sunday. In finishing up the evening message, the church heard all the church bells in the city as well as the sound of sirens. The date was 1871 of October 8th. And what happened over the next days was what was called the Great Chicago Fire. And it burnt down almost everything that Moody had built. It, it was a time of reflection, a time of resetting, a time of reevaluating ministry. Moody would say that it forced him to his knees. But every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. As time went on, Moody felt called to go overseas. But with a new vigor, it seems like this moment of defeat brought a moment of surrender in his life. He said it was almost like I stopped asking God to verify my plan and I started to submit my plan to God. And with that Holy Spirit empowerment, if you will, he went overseas to preach during the revival that was going on across the Atlantic and the crowds gathered for Moody. He, he, is saying, he is known as saying, no one can sum up all God is able to accomplish through one solitary life, wholly yielded, adjusted, and obedient to him. This is the definition of whatever you got, God, whenever you got it, and however you got it. And and revival hit. And Moody wanted to especially focus on the next generation. He had a passion for children and youth and wanted to provide schools. And this inspiration that was going on overseas, he came back into the States, went into the area of Chicago and established Northfield School for Girls and Mount Hermon School for Boys and then the Chicago Evangelism Society, which is now known as... Moody Bible Institute in the heart of Chicago, much like uh, Temple University is in the heart of Philadelphia. You can see Moody Bible Institute all throughout here, and the effects of this ministry it, it 's kind of said that DL Moody left a massive wake have you ever have you ever had a a ship go by or a motorboat go by and they leave a wake. Well, he left a massive wake behind him of of how he inspired others who heard him preach and evangelism that went through the streets of Chicago. He's known for saying, if God is your partner, make your plans big. And he certainly did. He said, someday you're gonna read in the papers that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe it? I shall be more alive then than I am now. D.L. Moody lived his life with his hair proverbially on fire. You get one go in this life. One go. I like to tell people I want to swing for the fences and I don't mind if I crawl across home plate but we get one go, one. And some of you, I'll quote John Piper, have already lived most of your life. And he said that phrase to a group of college students. We have no idea how much time we have. D.L. Moody said I'm gonna use my time to impact people for Jesus Christ. And this evangelist went out sharing, and it still makes its ways even to today. As a youth pastor, I took a group to Chicago to work in inner city missions. I felt the call to do something scary, so I did that. It was probably a a bad move, but I learned a lot on that trip. We took teenagers into the heart of Cabrini Green. It was, a, it was a, a section of town in Chicago that was overrun by gangs and nobody that looked like any of the kids in my group was technically safe if they got outside the boundaries of Moody Bible Institute. We worked with a wonderful missionary from the Institute and she gave us t-shirts that said God is love on them. Bright yellow shirts, moody Bible inspired um, shirts and we were gonna go out and I'll say it the way she said it and do some sidewalk Sunday school. <laughs> and so we followed her out and cars would go by that would terrify us, pull up and she'd be like, pull your pants up, get down. I mean, it was all, this girl was on fire and she was taking us around and our kids were just like, Go knock on them doors. (laughs) Okay, I mean, we got in the bus at the end of the day and our kids were talking so loud and I knew it's because they all felt we lived. (laughs) I told them that night, we'll take them out for deep dish pizza. And so we left the bus in the parking lot after visiting Moody Bible Institute with a group of kids. As we were walking around the institute, she said, we're gonna walk down into town. Now, Moody's in a very difficult area if you get outside his streets. I said, we're gonna walk down we're gonna get you some deep dish pizza. So we went down to a restaurant. Now, before every time we left, I was kind of a lazy youth pastor, didn't like always doing attendance, so I gave them numbers and tell them to call out their number. One, two, three. Four, sorry, sorry, four. Yeah, come on. Five, six, seven, eight. There was always, you know, one of the guys in there throwing out an extra number, 79, knock it off, knock it off, this is serious. We can't leave anybody. We count all the numbers, we got to the numbers, all right, we're going, okay, we went down to this deep dish place and we're getting pizza and we, and we talked to our leader from Sidewalk Sunday School and I said, hey, guess the twins in our group, guess, guess who are the twins, guess who are brothers and sisters. We had a few brothers and sisters sets, I'm like, guess, and they're looking around, they're like, I don't see any twins. I'm like, what? I'm looking, clearly have identical twins on this trip. And I look at one of the identical twins, I go, hey, where's your brother? He's playing in the arcade out in the front, I think. Oh, yeah, sure. We kept eating. Hey, where is your brother? I don't know. Go check the bathroom, guys. So they all go, raw, raw, they're yelling in the bathroom. Come back. He's not here. When's the last time you saw him? Moody Bible Institute? Oh, no. A Bucks County kid in the middle of Chicago at Cabrini-Green with his precious little yellow God is Love shirt on. <laughs> oh no. So me and another leader, we just start sprinting back to Moody Bible Institute. We get to Moody Bible Institute, and he's nowhere to found. So that means one thing, he went back to Cabrini-Green. This is the home where if you play in the wrong playground, okay, you're taken out. We ran all the way back and praise God, we come across the director there. She goes, hey, we found one of yours. Oh, that feeling. He's in the, he's in the thing. He tried to play in a basketball game. We sent him there. They, she said, you have no idea how blessed he is to have that yellow shirt on. Because even the gangs of this area will never mess with that yellow shirt. That's Moody Bible Institute. That's God is love. Love and they don't want to mess with what's behind that yellow shirt. This man has left an incredible wake. Saved one of our own kids here. Now no no this from his youth pastor, right? What an uncommon life. What an uncommon life. And isn't it interesting in the world of I got to get 7 degrees for anybody to listen to me. He had the equivalent education of a 5th grader. It might just be better to be a person of prayer, young person, than a person of achievement, even though I understand achievement. He was a man of great faith, and what many would call common, just a fifth grade education, and now has established probably the largest Bible institute in the United States of America. And I want to look at a life that many could have deemed common, especially Jews, and and call this sermon uncommon, all right? And we're going to meet a man named Cornelius. If you can recall, we've been meeting different people through the book of Acts. Today, we're going to meet Cornelius, a Roman soldier who God had an appointment with. God had a divine appointment with, and he's going to send Peter, to go talk to this Roman soldier. Now, let me remind you of something before we open the text. Jews did not like Gentiles. In fact, they referred to them as dogs. Now, if you're a dog lover, this won't speak to you, but just stay with me. That wasn't a positive illustration for them. Ah, they're dogs. They're uncommon, or excuse me, they're common. They're, they're unclean. They don't follow our dietary laws. They eat meat and, and reptiles, and, and, and they don't understand Levitical teachings and things like this, and, and, and they separated from them, and they would certainly not associate with them or ever go into their homes, these Gentiles. that God has called the Jewish people. Yahweh is the Jewish God, and, and, they, and they had no time for these Gentiles. And Cornelius is a Roman Soldier, a Gentile, and God in his appointment with him. And if you're here today and you're not Jewish in descent, praise God for Cornelius. Because if you're a Gentile like me, this was the path that caused a wake across Caesarea, Judea, Samaria, and in Palestine that has even reached into the pulpits of the United States. Today, we're going to look at an uncommon life that Peter may have thought was common. Heavenly Father, use the text. Use the text today to inspire us to not only to see ourselves in the Cornelius, but maybe to see ourselves as people who have opportunities to cause a wake. No, not for ourselves, but for you, Jesus. That, that we would leave a behind, not a legacy of what we've done, but a legacy of what you can do by the Prayer, dedication, and passion that comes along with sharing the gospel with people. Thank you for Peter's willingness to share and for Cornelius's reception. We look forward to investigating this text today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's Acts chapter 10. We're going to open up with our map, okay? If you've been following with us, we've been working our way from Jerusalem. Peter went to Aeneas' house in Lida, and, and there was a Tremendous healing there, and the gospel advanced. He went up to Joppa, and there was Tabitha, and Tabitha came to Christ, and the gospel advanced. Now, up in Caesarea, God has an appointment with Cornelius. And at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what it was known as the Italian. Cohort. So we know we've got a centurion, and I want you to note this. Whenever centurions are mentioned in scripture, it's in a positive light. So these men were men of respect, maybe men of chivalry, men that could lead groups of people. Maybe the A-type, if you will, that was D.L. Moody could be found in a type of guy like Cornelius. And I mention that because it seems like Luke really wants you to know about this guy. He goes into great detail about him. And it makes me say, why? because he doesn't go into detail with everybody in Acts, but Luke really wants to point out a lot of characteristics about him. So wherever you're at today, if, if you want to look for in you, and whether you're, whether you're a guy, I'm um, a Cornelius, or whether you're a lady out there who's kind of driven and stuff, I want you to see Cornelius, and I want you to see some of his characteristics, because it's important to Luke. Here's how he goes. He says, oh, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household he gave alms generously to people and he prayed continually to God but but he's not done he he says and about the ninth hour of the day clearly in a vision an angel of God came to him and said to him Cornelius God knows your name Jesus Hey, it's Chris. Hey, Chris. We have a God who knows our name, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? This angel standing before him, and he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial to God. This angel saying, Hey, you're known in heaven. I mean, now you knew your name, and you're known in heaven. God knows you. And and your prayers have ascended like a memorial. What's that? Well, what is a memorial? A memorial is an establishment of what you're kind of known for. So this is so cool. This angel is standing before Cornelius going, hey, you're known in heaven and your prayers, and your alms, and your life, you're known in heaven. We know what you're known for. And so they're kind of sharing a little bit, or this angel's kind of letting them know that this is kind of what you're known for in heaven. I wonder if up in heaven, you know, they're like, oh, here comes Chris. We're kind of known about his prayers. We know here he comes with one of these. Very cool. But but I really wrote down some things in my notes about what type of person Cornelius was because it seems so important to Luke. He was a man of accomplishment, a centurion, which means he would have governed a hundred person soldier group that would have been found in a cohort. Now, a cohort would have been around 600 men. So, out of those 100 men, centurions would lead six groups of 100 men that would make up a cohort, these centurions. And these so were high level, high ranking men. Now, amongst those cohorts, there would be more cohorts throughout the Roman army. So we understand that this is a man of accomplishment. To be a centurion, this is a man that has stood out, that has paid his dues, that other men want to follow. It's one thing to to be known for what you've done. It's another to have people want to follow you, okay? He was an accomplished individual, but he also was a man of belief, a devout man who feared God, and what's interesting, being a Gentile, he's praying to this Jewish God. And did you notice that at the ninth hour, that would put us around 3 p.m. Are there not 12 days? Are de- 12 hours in a day, Jesus said? Remember, the Jewish day is a little bit different. The ninth hour will put us around 3 p.m. So he is praying on the hours. The Jews prayed morning, noon, and night. So he is praying along that. He's is a very religious man. And he believes, and he's a a devout man who believes in this Yahweh. He's a man of leadership. It says all his household. Let me tell you something. For an entire household to be following what dad believes, that means you have some leadership in that house. You find out a lot about a leadership, the leadership of ability of a father by whether others are following it or not. It says that he's the same outside the walls as he is inside the walls. That speaks to his leadership that all his household do what he says. It also speaks to the fact that he was a military father, <laughs> okay? He's a man of generosity. He gave alms generously, and a man of prayer, he prayed continually, and the angel says, "Hey, here's what you're known for in heaven." We know about you. But the message continued to the centurion. He said, now, send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now, now, I've got a picture here. If you ever take a trip to Israel, that is, you can go to Simon the tanner's house, Okay. Um, young people, you're not reading myths. These are accounts of scripture. And, and this is the house of Simon the Tanner, if you ever take a trip over to Israel. But I noticed a few things when I was reading this. Any of you think Google Maps is cool or like Ways? God's got that by years. He's not, he's a, he wasn't like, whoa, how did Apple figure that out? He knows exactly where his kids are. He knows exactly. In fact, he not only says, I want you to send some people to Joppa because my apostle Peter is down there. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner. Now, now, now young people, stay with me a second. He's not tanning, okay? Um, Simon's not like, he doesn't have a mask on and he's like, oh, yeah, Peter, you too? Oh, definitely. All right, this is not what I want you to picture. A tanner would be someone who works with animals, cuts their skins. Um, what's Peter doing there then? Boy, God is really making Peter uncomfortable. I mean, here is a man who knows that all these animals are against the Levitical dietary codes. This is unceremonial. This could make him unclean, but God's just maneuvering Peter, and now he's staying amidst all these like dead skins. I mean, how many carcasses? I mean, some of your, your basements look like this, you know? how many bones and stuff is he? And and he's in this house and he's staying there. And God says, yeah, I know he's there. He's actually in the house and he's by the sea. So it's like, God's like, he's not only just like, God doesn't know you're, oh, I think he's in Joppa. He's at the house by the sea. I want you to send people there. When the angel who spoke to him departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. What's gonna happen? Well, here's what happened. The next day, as they were on their journey, they were approaching the city, and Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. I got a shot for you of what it would look like from Simon the Tanner's rooftop. Now, that's a place to pray. By the sea, Peter's up there. He's praying. Around the sixth hour, so right around noontime, what's going on? and and, and peter became hungry and he wanted something to eat but while they were preparing it he fell yeah he fell into a trance what does the scripture say and he saw the heavens open up and something like a great sheet started to descend from the heavens And it was being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, all sorts of unclean things. And there came a voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. Peter needs everything three times. Have you noticed that in scripture? He denied him three times. Jesus came to him and said, do you love me? How many times? One, two, three times. Now Peter is seeing a vision and he's arguing with God even in the vision. You remember this Peter, he's a little stubborn, right? He's the only one we see in scripture. All of you are gonna forsake me by, never Lord, I will never. I'll get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, that's rough language. Now Peter's going, no Lord, I won't. He's even yelling at him in his street. This Peter's a piece of work. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once into heaven. And Peter's left there gone. And look what happens. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, remember them? Having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise, go down, and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. How about God's timing? They needed this. God is working in very different ways. Remember, this is a transition time in Acts. Many of you already know that this vision is basically telling Peter, okay, the ceremonial laws of the unclean animals, I want you to move past that now. I'm sending the gospel out, not to just the Jews, but to the Gentiles. We know that as New Testament believers, a little studied in the scripture, we know that that's actually what's going on here. But Peter's still working through it. And he's like, is this of God? Because this dream is against Levitical law. So, I mean, is this of God? I mean, can this be of God? Uh, Peter, you're going to have three men come visit you. Ding dong. Okay. What? God is working very obviously for them because he knows this is a difficult time period in church history. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason for your coming? I mean, he's probably like, why were you sent? I wanna hear this. And, And they said, Cornelius, a centurion. And look, Luke does it again. An upright and God-fearing man who was well-spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So, so we got some more stuff about Cornelius. We find this. He was a man of integrity. He was known as an upright man. He was a man of reputation. He is well-spoken of throughout the Jewish nation. So this is a popular guy. People know about this guy. And not only that, he was a man of inquiry. We want to hear what you have to say. We're excited to hear. So Peter invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied them. The brothers from Joppa were like, let's go up to Caesarea. Let's see what's going on here. What is God doing? Let's follow Peter. And on the following day, they entered into Caesarea where Cornelius is. And Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. It seems like he was super influential. everybody, come over. I got Peter coming. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him, and boom, fell down and worshiped him. He must have heard about how Peter had healed somebody down in Joppa, how how he healed somebody in Lydda. And here's the Peter. This is Peter. This is the apostle Peter. And he just worships him, and Peter says, get up, get up, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went and he found many persons gathered. He's like, come on in, Peter. And Peter comes in the room. He's like, oh my word. Cornelius, how many people who got here? And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit anyone of another nation. I wonder if Peter kind of came in the room like this. Any Jews in here that would see me hanging with you guys? You dogs? I mean, you understand how clean I am and how dirty you all are? I'm not even supposed to be in here. I wonder if he's like, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for me to associate or to visit with you. But, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So, so, so Peter's kind of just working on faith here. And, and I know I'm not supposed to do that. So, so he just keeps coming. And, and, and he says, so, so when I was sent for, I came without objection. So I asked, well, why did you send for me? And Cornelius said, okay, 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 four days ago, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before the Lord. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who was called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. God, you had to tell him I was at Simon the tanner's house? Okay, fine. God knows wherever you are. So I sent for you at once, and you have been so kind to come. And and I just stopped for a second. I said, wait a minute. Here's this centurion, this Roman centurion, and he's sitting there saying to Peter, thank you for being so kind to come. What a man of chivalry, what a man of kindness, what a man of humility. And so I added that to my list. A man of humility, you were so kind to come. I mean, Cornelius is such a great guy. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God, Peter, to hear what you've been commanded by the Lord. I mean, this is every preacher's dream. Hey, we're all here to hear what you have to say. Go ahead. I mean, Peter's probably still reeling a little bit, and he just starts out. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. I'm sitting here in a house of Gentiles. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Wow. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter's just preaching. And, And we are witnesses of all that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him appear not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to, to people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead and to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, amen? You put John three sixteen right next to that. Peter's like, I got you. Peter's preaching, they're all listening. Anybody can come to Christ, not just Jews. Anybody. And Peter's going, God shows no partiality. I mean, this is unfathomable, and it continues. And and while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now we know, we know as New Testament believers, Paul has told us, the moment we receive Christ as our personal savior, we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, he comes as a seal of our salvation. And so we get the Holy Spirit at salvation, but at this transitionary time, the apostles would go and verify that salvations were occurring and the Holy Spirit would come. And that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit fell on all of them, including Cornelius, and the believers from among the circumcised, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were like, shocked. Are you kidding me? The dogs are gonna get saved? The Gentiles? Because the gift of the Spirit was poured out on even, Luke writes, the Gentiles. Peter got pumped. Peter got pumped and he declared, he said this, he said this. One slide. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing? These people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. I mean, let's let's dunk Cornelius. He's all excited. He's so excited. I mean, let's go back to the characteristics of Cornelius for a second. I mean, this was a man of accomplishment, devotion, religion, leadership, generosity, prayer. These are all true of him, but he wasn't a man filled with the Holy Spirit as of yet. And so he knew about religion, and he just got introduced to relationship. Have you ever had somebody say to you, I don't know if I want to go to church, I'm not really that religious, and you say, oh, this isn't religion. This is a relationship with a God who knows my name. And Cornelius is now filled with the Holy Spirit. And all these things are still true of him, but he just got jolt pack. Bang! And now the Holy Spirit's gonna use this really great guy, this really neat leader, this inspiring, accomplished leader of generosity and even prayer. Oh, he is gonna... inject him with the Holy Spirit. He goes and gets baptized. And let's jump to verse 48, and he says, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked him to remain for some days. Whoa, what's gonna happen? What's gonna be the wake of Cornelius? How are these waves gonna go out and impact all the nation that Cornelius came to know Christ? D.L. Moody says, I love this quote, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs, as to try to live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. It's often said there's three types of people, saved, unsaved, and about to be saved. Cornelius was about to be saved, and got saved that day, and the Holy Spirit injected his life And now it wasn't religion. Now it's a relationship. And he's baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There are sadly in today's churches and even those watching, many people who are religious people, they even pray, they believe in God, but so do the demons. There is a difference between having Jesus in your head and having Jesus in your heart. There is a moment of surrender when you say, God, you take over. There are so many young people in Sunday school classes weekly or in Bible studies or small groups that can spit verses at you and will even pray in the group but do not have Jesus as their personal savior. They're Corneliuses, if you will. They're close. They know it all. They could very sound much Christian, but they've never made a personal profession of Jesus Christ. And that day, when you've lived your last, remember you get one go. I pray no one in this room is part of the Lord, Lord. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. It's not enough to have Jesus in your head. You gotta have Jesus in your heart. And when the Holy Spirit fills a life at the moment of salvation, the gift package, the strengths, the abilities, the positions, the platforms, the people you know is now leveraged for God in a very special way. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna show you Cornelius' life. And then with it, I'm gonna add some D.L. Moody quotes. I'm gonna call this a Moody Bible Institute masterclass over the next three minutes. Because in these quotes are all one sermon. D.L. Moody's quotes are like, hello, okay? And we're gonna put them by this because I, I just think it's awesome for us to ponder Cornelius now with the Holy Spirit's power and within, in, in the message of a man who was used so mightily once surrendered to God. Here, here, here's one. He was an accomplished man. Moody writes about accomplishment. Our greatest fear should not be of failure but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Wow. No, no, you shouldn't fear failure. You should fear succeeding at something that doesn't matter. Here's the second one, faith. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Young people, you'll hear professors, maybe even side Bible colleges, tell you That some of this stuff I know you can't believe. Let me tell you something. The ones with great faith are the ones that God's gonna leverage to change this world. Moody had the education of a fifth grader and literally left a wake that we can't even explain. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. How about leadership? You wanna hear about leadership? Out of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. A good example is far better than a good precept. You wanna be a good leader? Be an example of Jesus Christ. The rest will take care of itself. How about a moody quote? I told you, it's like a masterclass on generosity. Do all the good you can to all the people you can in all the ways you can as long as you can. Do you sense a guy who swung for the fences every day of his life? How about this? How about prayer? The Christian on his knees sees more than the philosopher on a tiptoe. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. How about D.L. Moody on integrity? A holy life will produce the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns, they only shine. How about Moody on reputation? I mean, who wouldn't wanna have a reputation? Character is what you are in the dark. If I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. How about moody on learning and inquiry? So few grow because so few study. Cling to the whole Bible, not part of it. A man is not going to do much with a broken sword. How about moody on humility? There are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do little things. A masterclass, if you will, on Dwight Moody. I could probably preach a sermon on each one of those quotes. But let me ask you do you know a Cornelius? Do you know some really great people? I mean, they're super people. You're like this if I was perfectly honest, I would say this guy at my work who doesn't know Christ is more of a Christian in his behavior than my friend who goes to church every day. You know somebody like that? Hey, teenagers. You got a friend, you just love them. They're just so awesome. But you know if the Lord came back today, they probably wouldn't be with you in heaven because they've never made a profession of Christ. They might even know some Bible verses and stuff and go, yeah, yeah, your church is cool. I like that, I think I came to power camp. But you know they don't know Christ. What's holding you back? I heard a camp preacher say one time, how much do you gotta hate somebody to not share the gospel with them? That hit me. You got a guy at work, you got a friend, ladies, you got a coworker, they're, they're super people. Like, they're just super, you love them, but you know they don't have Christ. Is it, God knocking right now? Is the Holy Spirit going? Man, they're great, they're honest people. I mean, they're more honest than my Christian friends. But, but you know they don't have the Lord. I would ask you and encourage you to pray that God would fill you with the boldness of a D.L. Moody to say, I'm gonna share the gospel. I'll go down swinging if I have to. But people have to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, the story of Cornelius could be summed up in Romans chapter 10. It's, a, it's verses I love to quote all the time, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, right? But, but that text, it, it follows. And it says this, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there's no distinction between Jew or Greek for the same Lord is the Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But but then Paul says, I got four questions though. If that's the case, we gotta be sharing. It's like he's saying. So he got four questions for us. and Here are the four. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Someone's got to go. Someone's got to open their mouth and say something. And that's why it's written. That's why it's written. How beautiful. And I think Moody would appreciate this, being a lover of shoes, much like myself. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Do you all know Edward Kimball? He was a deacon in his church. He felt the Lord calling him to start a class with a group of young guys, high school students. He would teach a class, and there was one kid, kind of driven, kind of pushy, 17, 18 years old. He worked at his shoe stop In town. And on July 1st, 1885, it's recorded, Edward felt I should go to that shoe store and share with the young man, Jesus Christ. And so in great faith, he went to the shoe store, walked in there, and prayed with D.L. Moody. That one step of faithfulness led D.L. Moody to go preach to the masses. For he came to go Christ and began to evangelize. And when he was overseas, he evangelized and there was someone in the auditorium named F.B. Meyer listening to Dwight L. Moody preach. And he said, I need to share the gospel. And F.B. Meyer, the great American evangelist, came back to the States and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at one of his evangelistic rallies of F.B. Meyer, Wilbur Chapman was sitting in the auditorium. Now, Wilbur Chapman heard it and he said, FBI is talking to me, he's talking directly to me, nobody else, I'm yours, Lord, I throw up my white flag, I'm yours, take me where you want me. And and Wilbur Chapman began to preach the gospel and specifically began to invest in a pro baseball player he knew called Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday not only came to Christ, but he became an incredible evangelist. You can still see old pictures of him like up on top of the pulpit, pointing at people, just on fire for the Lord and and sharing the gospel. And Billy Sunday just became this incredible evangelist. And in Bailey's absence after, after evangelistic rally, he would hold a prayer group with a group of men. And in that prayer group was a man named Mordecai Ham, and Mordecai Ham, the great Kentucky preacher who would get in his trailer that on the side of it said, hear Ham tonight at six and eight, went around preaching. From that Bible study at Billy Sundays, and Billy Sunday from that time at Wilbur Chapman, and Wilbur Chapman from that message from F.B. Meyer, and F.B. Meyer from that message from D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody from that Sunday school class teacher who followed Jesus and said, I'll go into the shoe stop and share with that punky kid. Mordecai Ham put up a huge tent in Charlotte and he preached the gospel and in walked a young man named Billy Graham. And I think you know the rest. Any Edward Kimballs in here? You got one shot, young people. You got one shot, college students. You got one shot, senior saints. And God may have put near you someone that he wants to use you to go talk to to say something, ask him for the faith, for the strength to open your mouth. Because who knows? They might be at home going, God, if you're real, just bring somebody and tell me you're real. And you might be the one. Scripture's so clear. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Put the verse up for me. I got to be honest with you. Yesterday at four o'clock, I reached out to the pastors. I, I, I said, guys, um, the Lord's not letting me go a certain direction with this message. I've tried. I've even forced my hand a little bit. I'm not allowed to go there. I need to stop at this point. So we're not going to do what I was kind of thinking. And I'm not sure how that leaves us next week, but we'll just win this Sunday. I wasn't that comfortable with that 11th hour. Doesn't happen that often, but when it does, I could tell you might have a different plan. And so, I got a hunch there's somebody in here or listening that the Lord's going today, right now, March, March. 1600 North 5th or wherever you're located and watching today, today, you've been playing church, you've been giving your tithe, you've been going to classes, you even like, you even like say you love the Lord's help, but you have never called on my name and you know it, there's a hole in your life and you know it and it's time for me to fill it today, And so I wanna end. I'm gonna pray. Because there might be a miracle in this room or watching. And today's your day. And I think it would honor, certainly honor a D.L. Moody to pray at the end of this service. So church, pray with me. I think maybe it's somebody's day today. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Hey, this is your pulpit, God. I got a feeling you wanna talk to somebody today. And so the floor is yours, Lord. Who is it? They've been asking you. Maybe, maybe they turned on the, the, their, their TV today or, or maybe they've walked in this auditorium going, God, you better say something. And he's saying it right now. They've been trying to do their life. They've been trying, God, trying. They, they are falling in love with the word try. Try. but they need the Holy Spirit. They need you, they need to surrender, not try. They need to surrender. May they put up the white flag and say, God, I'm yours, do what you gotta do. We get one go in this life and there are very dear people to us, Lord, who we know aren't going with us if you return and we, we desperately want them to hear this. That God wants to tell them, Jesus wants to tell them, if you confess with your mouth and believe that I'm your Lord, just call me. Repent of your sin. Turn from it. Turn from doing it your way. Surrender today. Don't wait till tomorrow, today. For today might be all you got. I would encourage you to pray with me if the Lord's speaking to you. God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of trying. I surrender. I need you. Would you be my savior? I believe. Help my unbelief. I want to follow you. Give me that faith. I need you because I can't do it on my own. Jesus, be my savior. Be my Lord. Come into my life today. I don't want to play Christian. I don't want to play churchgoer. I want to be a child of God. Jesus, I know you hear those prayers. And whoever you had a divine appointment with, whether it's in Caesarea or whether it's in Percisee or wherever people are watching today, may you show them what the wake of a life can do once you get a hold of it. And we pray this, Praying also for any Christian in here who's grown a little tired, a little fatigued, a little frustrated, even disappointed, that you would refill them with energy. That these, that these men like D.L. Moody, like these men like Cornelius would inspire them to say, Lord, I got to reignite this fire. I've let it go dim. I've let this year and the discouragements and the difficulties. God, I want to come out of this. I want to come alive again for you. I got one goal and I'm going to finish strong. Lord, would you inspire them today just as you would those who don't know you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.